0: Hello, hello. Good morning. Happy Friday, wherever it is that you are watching from. I just wish you the best. I'm excited that it's Friday. I have nothing really planned, but I, I just, there's something about Fridays, don't you think? Hi, Lisa. Hi, Vince. Happy Friday. Yes, indeed. Happy, happy, happy. Um, so, I want to jump into Judges 3. This is probably not going to be very long because I don't have a whole lot to say about it outside of just drawing our attention to something. On um, Wednesday, um, was it this Wednesday? Yes, this Wednesday, Pepper was talking about um, the king is in the field. And I can't remember now what the name of the Hebrew month was called. I should have looked that up, but it doesn't really matter. Um, it's it's in the the time frame just before the Hebrew New Year, and um, and this month is known as the time that the king is in the field, and so that led me to want to go and and check out um, the, the the book of um, oh I'm drawing a uh, book of Ruth sorry i like Esther Ruth no the book of Ruth, and um, and I didn't get very far in it because um in the introduction i became very curious as to where in the the um judges the time of judges did the story of ruth fall and so i went on this great adventure and it is always an adventure it's a, a biblical adventure and that typically has more rabbit holes <laughs> Than anything, and I tend to jump down them all, um, and and found out that this would have taken time somewhere between chapter three and chapter four of of Judges, and and so that was really exciting to discover and helped make sense of what was happening. And the reason I went to Ruth in the first place is because we know that that Boaz is a a um, foreshadowing of the king, right? And and he is seen in the fields, and um, and so go and read that for yourself. It's a, a fascinating story of um, Boaz playing the part of the kinsman redeemer. Again, it's a foreshadowing of of Christ and and what it is that he would do for his family, all of his creation. And and just the total redemption in the story is absolutely stunning. You know, um Naomi and Ruth, they lose everything, you know, they they lost their home, they lost their their husbands, sons, and um, and and they travel back to to Bethlehem and um from Moab. And um and, and Ruth is is she's a Moabite. And and she doesn't belong in Bethlehem. And she would soon discover how much she doesn't belong. And uh, she would so she would be a, a foreigner, basically, in in a new land. And she just absolutely sticks by Naomi's side. And, um, you know, the famous line that Ruth says to Naomi is that your people will be my people and your God will become my God. And what faith? Oh my gosh. I mean, this would have not been familiar for her, but she is making a bold move saying that what is yours is mine. Like I am taking on your traditions. I'm taking on your values. I'm taking on your belief system. I belong where you are, Naomi and look what happens i mean god blesses that kind of faith and 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 before we think that this is like you know ruth is in a state of distress or anything like that just s- scrap that thinking because that's not that's not true this is not a story of a damsel in distress this is a story of great faith this woman shows up in spaces that she doesn't belong and it reminds me so much of the woman with the issue of bleeding And she shows up in spaces that she doesn't belong either. And she makes bold moves. She does not care what the scorn that is on the backside of any of her actions. She's after one thing, right? She's she's saying this man is going to be my God. His people will be my people. And she just has to get to the hem of his garment. What? Wow, what a story. I mean, it, these these are remarkable moments that that we we have access to. Like we can go back and because of Holy Spirit, he can illuminate these stories for us and 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 make them more real for us and even show us the ways that we can step into that same kind of faith. So you can kind of see the similarities between that story and the story of Ruth where she just needs to be in the right place at the right moment and Naomi gives her very specific instructions on what to do and she follows through. She is like so dependent on Naomi's Faith in her belief system, and she wasn't kidding when she said, "Like your God's going to be my God, and I'm going to do the things that you say to do." And so, uh, really, we could even look at this as a story of discipleship, and and how many of us are willing to go that far in saying that your ways are going to become my ways? Uh, not at all. We're stubborn. We're selfish, and um, we are led mostly by our own preferences, and refuse to come under fully the discipleship of another and, um, look what it's gotten us. So let's talk about that. We're going to go to judges three and, um, Oh, good morning, Maria. I just, I love seeing you on here and I love reading your comments on any space. I love reading your comments and you are always good for, for the load of scripture. I love it. Okay. So we are going to judges three and, um, I'm just going to start at the beginning. This is a really interesting story, and um, and just background information. There are um, there are 12 total judges that are introduced, and they're really categorized in major and minor um, judges. I, I think that that's kind of silly in in some ways, but you get the idea that. Um, some of them had a greater impact that we have access to. And, um, and, and then there are those who have like, you know, a three-line paragraph. <laughs> and and, and if, if your Bible's like mine, it's double margin. And so it's really little. It could probably fit in a single sentence. <clears throat> Shamgar. So <laughs> we know very little about him. But listen, what a man can do with a God and a bone. That's all I've got to say about that. Go and read the book of Judges. It's just really good. So chapter three, here is a list of the nations that Yahweh permitted to remain in the land so he could use them to test the Israelites who had not known what it was like during the Canaanite wars. He wanted the succeeding generations of Israel who had not known war before to learn the art of warfare. See, if we wouldn't have read this part, we would have missed a whole chunk of meat. This is really important. He left Israel in the land to be tested so he could train them up in the art of warfare because they would have missed out on the the Canaanite wars. You know, like this generation would not have been raised up in that, that warfare that Joshua led so well. And so he leaves them there so that they can learn the art of warfare. So he left them in the land. So he left in the land, the five Philistine principalities and all the Canaanite Sidonians and Hivites who lived on Mount Lebanon from Mount Baal Hermon, so far as Lebo Hamath, you know how much I love these biblical words um, names, they remained in the land to test Israel to see if they would obey Yahweh's commands that Moses had given to their ancestors. This is huge. He left in the land the five Philistine principalities. What do we need to know about principalities, right? Like, We've got to we've got to practice. This is where we need to practice the pause and we need to like dive into the, the single lines in in our Bibles to find out, wait, what does that mean and how does that translate for me? Right. Um, I think it was just yesterday or maybe the day before I sent Pepper, a video that I came across on on um, Facebook and it was crazy. This was in 1997, and if I were capable of playing it for you right here, right now, I would because it was like so powerful, so bold and so blunt, but here was the issue. Everything that this preacher man was talking about are things that we are coming against right now, and I I was left like, oh my gosh, how are we at a standstill? how is it that we haven't grown how is it that you know in 1997 they're talking about the exact same things one of the things that he said in there and i i'm not going to get this verbatim but he was talking about how the majority of our worship who what we call worship leaders are this is such a this is such a profound ugly word at the same time. Um, They are, they are, um, they have no pastor because they have no church and their God is a pimp because they're profiting at the altar. And you guys, this is exactly where we're at right now. And that's not just, I'm not categorizing just the worship genre. Like this is Christianity in our Western culture, like we are profiting at the altar. We are stealing from the treasury of God. And if you don't think that that's a big deal, go read the book of Joshua, right? Like go read the story about how they took, oh gosh, uh, I'm losing the town. Jericho, (laughs) when they walked around Jericho, all of those, all of those seven times and, and the walls came down and God instructed them to go and plunder. There was specific instruction on what they were to do. And, um, and a lot of the things that they were to plunder belonged in the treasury of God. One man decided to hold back something that belonged to God for himself and his family. They got dead. Okay. Like, He and his whole family died because of his sin. Do not take from the treasury of God. And that's what we're doing when we're profiting at the altar. That was a total side note. But anyway, he left the five Philistine principalities. What is a principality? Well, I went and looked it up. I just wanted a basic definition. And in in its most simplest form, it is a territory ruled by a prince. A territory ruled by a prince. Now, if you look into principality based on more of a a spiritual definition, you're looking at a a demonic atmosphere that is over a region or a town, a city, a state, a nation, perhaps, depending on, you know, how much power the thing has been given. And, um, but it's a territory ruled by a prince. You guys, we need to better understand this. We get into this, this agreement that it's kingdom against kingdom. And it is not, you have to have a king to have a kingdom. Principalities are ruled by a prince. And I'm going to go a little bit further and say that it's a self-elected prince. You know, like this isn't even a a prince that has lineage. This is a self-promoted, self-elected prince. We've got to be careful what it is that we're serving. Are we serving a self-elected, self-promoted prince? Whose kingdom are you standing in? Principality, right? This is how we need to start viewing this and 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 this is something that we learned a few years back, maybe just I don't know, a couple years back that um that really it's a system, the the it's a system of darkness that the that the demonic realm works within it's a system and so it's a system versus a kingdom and and right there you can tell the difference in in like a kingdom is made up of family it's made up of royalty a system is not it's very routine it's very robotic it's very ick Right? So we need to be very, very careful at, at what it is that we're interacting with. And if we can become familiar with the difference, and this is where discernment's going to kick in, right? That becoming familiar with things allows us to discern them. What does the kingdom feel like versus what does the system of darkness, what does this principality that is ruled by the self-promoted prince feel like? Right? There's a difference a big difference one you belong in right so there's a sense of of belonging and the other one is is riddled with shame it makes you feel like you're never enough you're never going to get it right you'll never amount to anything there's a lot of guilt and shame and fear and condemnation and the kingdom isn't ruled that way is there discipline in the kingdom Absolutely, there's discipline in the kingdom. We want the discipline of God, right? His rod and his staff, they comfort me. His discipline is a comfort to us once we get over ourselves, right? In the system of darkness or the principality of darkness, there's no comfort in the discipline. It just makes you feel like you're never going to be able to stand on your own two feet, right? Okay. So, let's go back to judges. He left in the land the five Philistine principalities and and I already read them, I'm not going to read them again. Um they remained in the land to test Israel to see if they would obey Yahweh's commands that Moses had given to the ancestors. So in in the art of warfare, rule number 1 is will you obey the command? Right? will you obey the command that has been handed down now for them this is this is really it's important for them to remember remember what it is that they have been told now they may have not been in the combat but they were definitely raised up in it and they would have heard the stories and and within these stories are all of the miracles because so much of their battles were unfair. It's like so not fair when you have a king on your side, you know, when you have a God backing you. And, um, and so they would have seen so many miracles in, in their warfare. And, and so number one is, are you going to obey? That is, that's the art of warfare. Are you going to obey the command? What I am seeing so much is people step out in, in gratefulness in a moment and then shrink back and they don't want to stay out. You know, it takes some guts to do so we had to, to stand in the fray. It takes some guts. It takes some courage, but that's what's promised us. How many times does God tell Joshua to be bold and courageous over and over and over and over again, be bold and courageous all right, let's go on. So the Israelites settled among the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. They took their daughters in marriage and gave their own daughters to their sons. And the Israelites served their false gods. How would we grade them in learning the art of warfare? Right? Like they they, they don't even get a passing grade. It's, it's dismal at best. They go backwards. They start marrying within the um, the land that, that they have been held in to learn the art of warfare. And instead of standing and warring the way that God intended, uh, yeah, needs retraining, um, they, they falter and, and they become like those who they are around. Now, this is really important. If God has left principalities to train you in the art of warfare, The last thing you want to do is become like that culture. Don't fall to the culture. Don't allow the culture to rule and reign over you because you have the kingdom inside of you. And and our job is to be kingdom dispensers. We should be stretching the territory of the kingdom everywhere we go. And how do we do that? By releasing praise, right? we have to release praise. So when we come up against, and I have talked about this at length, when we come up against resistance, this is the perfect opportunity to take a praise break and to exalt the king over all kings and over principalities, right? He is the destroyer of principalities. This is a perfect time for us to take a praise break and tell him who he is. Remind ourselves of who he is and how powerful he is and what it is that he intends to do. You know, this morning, one of the first things God says to me this morning is, you know, Angie, I don't owe you anything. And I wasn't even like thinking about anything that had to do with this but he's like I don't owe you anything and this was in context to to promises like thinking about okay what are the promises and I'm like oh my gosh you know sometimes you know when God says things like that it, it like cuts through multiple layers at once and I was like oh my gosh like we are a part of a culture a Christian culture right now that has our hands out and and we're begging for the promise begging for the promise and God's like I, the promise came. The the promise has been fulfilled. Like he doesn't owe us anything because everything has already been accomplished. When Jesus said it is finished, he kind of meant it. And for us to act as if there's still something to come is us diminishing the power of what Jesus has accomplished on the cross and through resurrection. Don't be somebody who is diminishing the power of what Jesus has already accomplished by having your hand out and looking, searching for Where's the promise? The promise is seated. As are you. It's just dependent on what culture is going to sway you. Are you a kingdom culture person? Or are you a principality culture person? Know the difference. The Israelites did what was evil in Yahweh's sight. See, even God gives them a, a failing grade. They ignored Yahweh their God and they served the Baal gods and the Asherah goddess. Therefore, Yahweh's blazing anger rose up against them. He surrendered them to, and I did go and and I tried to be really smart so I could say his name right. Cushion, Cushan. I'm sorry, Cushan Rishathaim is how, I know, that's how my audio Bible said it. I'm not saying it again. Go and look it up for yourself. He handed them over to this king of Mesopotamia. He kept the Israelites in bondage to him for eight years. Then the Israelites with shattered hearts cried out to Yahweh for mercy. And he answered them by raising up a champion deliverer to to rescue them. Othniel, listen, this, I'm going to read the footnote because you need to know, um, this king's name means darkness and it means double wickedness. God handed Israel light, the Israelites over to darkness and double wickedness. We need to understand. I want you to understand like what it is that has them. When you serve a principality long enough, it, it will chain you, right? Like it has them at this point. They are um, oppressed at this point and they are in slavery to this king. And And it, his name means darkness and double wickedness. And so they cry out. I think this is fascinating. The one thing that Israel was really good at is eventually remembering who their God is and what he's capable of doing on their behalf. And so they cry out to him and he raises up. And I love how the passion translation says it, you know, in other translations, just as, you know, he raises up another judge. And, but the passion translation says it raises up a champion deliverer. And I think that we need to pause here too. A champion delivered. Is there anyone out there that wants to be known as a champion deliverer. These are simple people. These are commoners. They're just simple, simple people doing their thing. And God raises them up and calls them champion deliverers. And they fulfill that calling. They step in and they do everything that God is instructing them to do. And their names go down in history as as one who partners with God for great feats. This is amazing. And really we can look at this and realize that these people are apostolic in nature and they are prophetic in nature, right? This is just who they are. It's their makeup. They're made to take the land right? They're made to establish things. They're made to raise people up. And I love the stories the most where they actually have to raise up others to join them in what it is that they're doing. So not only are they commissioned themselves, but they also reach down and commission others. And I just, it's just a beautiful story anyway. um, So he raises up um, Othniel and, he was Caleb's nephew, the son of his younger brother, Kinnis. And the spirit of Yahweh was upon him and empowered him to liberate Israel from bondage. He became Israel's champion and went out to war. And Yahweh delivered into his hands Kushan. I need to look at my notes. Rish Rishatham. You guys should be proud of me. The king of Mesopotamia, Yahweh delivered this king into his hands. Othniel overpowered him, and after, and after the land had peace for forty years, Athnial the son of Canaz died. So. God delivers this king into this champion deliverer's hands, right? And he frees Israel from their bondage to the darkness and double wickedness. And for 40 years, they live free, right? As long as Othniel is alive, (laughs) they live free. (laughs) Because the people... Uh, uh, people in general, we we feed off of inspiration and we're looking for someone to take the charge. And as much as we think that we don't want to be told what to do, we do. We want someone to tell us what to do. And you can test this out on any given Sunday. People are waiting for you to tell them what to do. You want people to, to go in deeper with the Lord? Tell them to. They're just looking. For somebody to be a champion, deliverer, and take them further than they can take themselves. These are all powerful, powerful stories. And I just have a feeling that this is where we're moving. Is God isn't just looking for people who can say what God says, but will do what God is doing. Is that you? And what's really important to understand is in these stories in the book of Judges, the power of the spirit of God always falls on them. And this is the same power that we access to prophesy. This is the exact same power that we access to pray. It's the same power that we access to heal it's just in our minds that this all has to take place within these little spaces that we call church what is he what does he want to do with you right what darkness and double wickedness does he want you to take out and what principalities has he left in your land to train you up in the art of warfare Reading that actually made me thankful, made me thankful for the opposition that I get to come up against because I get to learn one, how to release praise unto his name in those moments. And I'm not saying I do it perfectly. It's challenging, but I am doing it right. Doing it imperfectly, whatever that looks like. But I also get to learn how to become a champion deliverer. That's what I want for us. That's what I want for us. Go, I, I'm telling you, like, go and read these stories because they are nothing short of miraculous. There is absolutely no reason why these people should have this kind of power. And I know you're familiar with the the, the, the major stories, you know, like Deborah and Gideon. Those are our favorites. But seriously, like, go read the one line about Shamgar. Him and his bone kill a whole lot of people by themselves. Samson. The same power, the same might that was on Samson's life, as long as his hair was long. Um. That's the same power that we access for prophecy. Is that mind blowing to you? It's really mind blowing to me. I'm just like, oh my gosh. It's, it's because we we think in terms of, uh, of small measurement and he's a lavish God. I want to read something else to you. We're going to go to Ephesians one. This should be a very familiar space for you. And this is just Paul's prayer Over the the church of Ephesus, we're going to start in 19. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God. I pray that you will continually experience the immeasurable greatness of God's power made available to you through faith. How is it made available to you? Through faith. We talked about that at the beginning. Like the, the woman with the issue of blood. It was through faith that she accessed that immeasurable power of God. And Jesus felt it leaving his body. He's like, who touched me? And the disciples are like, dude, everyone's touching you. (laughs) You (laughs) So this tells you right there that it's not just about proximity. It's about proximity and faith, right? Like, we can we can be content with the goosebumps and the presence all day long, but if it's not mingled with faith, we're not going to see the things that we want to see. People were touching him. It, it was a crowded area and they were all wanting access. But the only person that gleaned anything from this moment was the one woman in the crowd that had faith. She wanted access, but her faith mingled with her heart for access or proximity brought about a miracle. Proximity matters, but it has to be mingled with faith if we're going to see the kingdom advance in any way, and that is the call. Then your lives will be an advertisement Do you want your life to be an advertisement? It will be an advertisement of this immense power as it works through you. This is the mighty power that was released when God raised Christ from the dead and exalted him to the place of highest honor and supreme authority in the heavenly realm. Oh, it's the same power as resurrection? Interesting. Interesting. The same power that raised Christ from the dead. The same power that we use to prophesy is the same power that can raise life from the dead. That's really good. Um, And now he is exalted as first above every ruler authority, government, and realm of power in existence. So before you release your next line of whining and complaining about what's not going right in your world, I want you to remind yourself first that whatever that principality is that exists in your atmosphere, in your nation, perhaps, your God has all the power to diminish that thing, right? Are you the champion deliverer? That's really hard for me to say. Is it you? Are you the one that has proximity and faith to take down those principalities that he's left to train you up? I think it is. I think it's you. He is gloriously enthroned over every name that is ever praised, not only in this age, but in the age that is coming. And he alone is the leader and source of everything needed in the church. God has put everything beneath the authority of Jesus Christ and has given him the highest rank above all others. And now we, His church are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. And now we, his church are his body on the earth and that which fills him who is being filled by it. You guys, everything that is his, we have access to. And he's already proclaimed that he is above every name, every principality, every power in that age and the ages to come. In our age and the ages to come. How does God want to use you beyond your wildest imagination? How does he want to raise you up? To be a champion, deliverer, right where you are. Do you have the faith to mingle with your proximity? Because I know your presence people. I'm talking to presence people. I know that you are worship junkies. You can't get enough of his presence. But what if it's mingled with Faith. What if it's you? I just I know that our manby pamby ways have to come to an end. It's not gotten us anywhere. We can't play low level games anymore. Manby pamby. We just can't. We can't do it anymore. It's not serving. It's not serving us, and it's certainly not serving the king. He's looking for faith. Filled believers. People who are audacious enough to just say, it's me. I'm the one. It's me. Send me. Right? And I'm not saying that the proximity and the presence and and all of that hasn't served us because look what it did for Joshua. He was also a worship junkie. He loved the presence. He did everything he could to be where Moses was. That was unto something, right? Don't just be addicted to the presence without utilizing it for his glory. If we aren't putting his glory on display, then we are not doing it right. So I know it's all big talk, but you need to commit. Are you in? Are you one who's saying, me, God, send me. You know, that's what Jesus did. That's what Jesus did in their holy conversation in the beginning. Send me. Father, Holy Spirit, send me. It's me. I'm it. Send me. And we are made in his likeness. So the send me is on the tip of our tongue. You just have to be brave enough to live up to it. Send me. Use me in any way you want. Being able to see the problem is just the first step. Becoming the champion deliverer is the next. You're it. Father God, this life is so full of wonder that you would even consider pouring your power into us is just unfathomable. But we are the ones, God. We are the ones that see you. And we want proximity and we want to be those who expect something released when we touch you. Right now, We just want to release the send me into the atmosphere. God, pick me, choose me, raise me up. Holy Spirit, we recognize that you've left us in this space with these principalities to train us up in the art of warfare. That we would be those who are sturdy, steady, and ready. we're ready, God. You have our yes. You've given us eyes to see. We see the darkness all around. We see the double wickedness. Now, Spirit, we're just asking that you fall on us so we can do something about We want to do something about it, God. Pick me. Send me. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for allowing us to be imitators of who you are. We carry your voice and your actions. That we do what you do. Amen. All right, friends. I love you very much. And just go with God. Also, I want to tell you, I want to tell you really quick. (laughs) Um, Remind you about the conference that's coming up. If you are anywhere near us, even if you're not flying, I don't care, Um, but please go and um, get registered if you're planning on coming. It is July 7th through the 9th and here in Junction City, Kansas. So if you've never had the opportunity to visit Kansas, you're missing out. And um, perhaps you've been told that Kansas is flat and there's nothing to see here. Lies! It's not true. The area that we live in is a very beautiful, lush area. In fact, when people were were, um, settling different territories throughout the United States and people would come to Junction City, they would write back home and telling people this place, Junction City, is like Eden. It's so lush and things are grown so easily here. So... It's a beautiful, beautiful area. It's very hilly, and um, we live in the Flint Hills. It's just a—I know, Chris. I'm I'm trying to do a good job at, at uh, I'm being a temptress right now. <laughs> come see us in Kansas. It is. It's a. It's truly a beautiful area, and um, Rebecca will be here. So, um, if you're not coming for the beauty of Kansas, you can come see us and see Rebecca. And, um, listen, I will tell you this, that there is absolutely no reason to come unless you're ready to die. That's, that's going to be my, my thing that I say about this conference, because, um, we definitely know that that's, what's on the agenda is, is um, God is requiring a, a, a next level of, of dying to self. And and just when you think that you've overcome one thing, he's pointing at another. And, and we really are in, I know prophets say this all the time, but it really is days of acceleration. We've also been calling these, yes, Chris, um, we've been calling these the days of deliverance because it just feels like we overcome one thing and he's on to the next, you know, and um, he promised us at the beginning of the year that 2023 would be a year that is the jubilee of the soul and that he would clean out every corner and crevice of our soul because he's preparing us to be able to host his glory well, Right. And we know based on the stories in our Bibles that if we are, if we are not those with clean hands and a pure heart, that his glory will kill us. Ask the Israelites in Moses's day, you know, the the glory will kill us if we are not prepared to house holiness to that degree. And um, so that's the call. And that's why it's called ruins. I know it's a strange name for a, a conference who wants to come to a conference called ruins. But if we refuse to acknowledge the ruins, we cannot grow. And, um, and what God will do with the ruins, he turns all things all things around for his good, right? So, um, so come be with us July 7th through the 9th. Um, we just added, we got this fantastic deal on a hotel in town, and um it was on Sunday morning, I was in the middle of worshiping. You God loves to interrupt my worship unto him, and um he just said, I want everyone on Ash Street, and we have a street here in town that is ash street and and you know everything is about dying right now so i knew what he was talking about and um and it the this this hotel that we got a really great deal on is on ash street and so anyway it's all on the website maybe vince will throw it up it's um on it's where it's up he's pointing somewhere it's not. oh look he already did it <laughs> Yes, it's right there so click on it. It there is no cost for the conference um you know in, in terms of money it will cost you everything but um there is there is no financial exchange for the conference but we do ask that you register so that we we can just kind of you know know how many people we're planning for. So um we don't care if it's 5 people because we are coming for one thing and that is to to die and, um, and to behold the Lord. Oh my gosh. It's going to be so fantastic. So anyway, I'll leave you with that and wish you a very, very happy weekend. Love you guys.